0: The Startup Sensations podcast: First-hand accounts of the real stories behind the successes, challenges, and opportunities of starting and growing a startup company. Welcome to Startup Sensations from both sides of the pond, with Belent Osman and Shelley Bays. And welcome back to another episode of the Startup Sensations podcast with me, Valent Osman from just outside London here in the UK.
1: And Shelley Bays here on the Northern California coast.
0: Well, Shelley, we have um, been on this wonderful journey on this podcast series. Absolutely. And today's the final episode of season one. And uh, in this final episode... We're looking at the evolution of the startup ecosystem and asking some very interesting questions, I think, about what the future might hold. We've got a a guest that you know quite well. Yeah,
1: this is, um, so we'll be talking with Kevin Montserrat, who founded and is leading an organization called Consilience Ventures. And this is a great episode to end this first series on because it is talking about the future, And um, in the discussion, we'll pose some questions for Kevin, who has some very, very interesting ideas about the evolution, as you say, of the startup ecosystem.
0: Well, hello, Kevin, and welcome to the Startup Sensations podcast. We're really excited to have you. How,
2: How are you today? I'm doing well. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you.
1: I'm going to jump in because I'm the one that knows Kevin, and he has kind of an amazing background. I'll give you a chance to kind of kick it off and tell us just a little bit, how did some of the things that you did in your early life, you know, boxing and firefighting and some of these things, how did that kind of get you set up for this very interesting role you're playing now with Consilience Ventures? And we'll get into more of that later but talk about some of your early experiences and how they shaped who you are today.
2: Yeah so well boxing was a long ago Shelly. I mean you don't make me laugh you know look like as if I'm uh, I'm still ready to go you know on a fight I'm uh, far from it okay. you know this was uh, almost almost 15 years ago it, actually it is 15 years now I guess uh, what brought me into what I do today if that's your question and how I got there is it probably is curiosity and um, Maybe enough critical thinking to realize that things can be improved instead of just uh, you know accept the norm and the status and cope with the problem. I just like to apply some curiosity and thinking and talk about it with friends. Um, see whether other people. Yeah. So I don't know. It's just um, it just happened naturally. Not liking the status quo. You know. <laughs> so you
1: were with Microsoft, which probably I'm guessing got you into this whole ecosystem of startups and investment and accelerating companies and all of that but you had this background that said i can take a risk yeah so you then worked for microsoft yeah and that looks to me like kind of your launch pad so, how was it working for Microsoft, and and what was it you learned there?
2: So, I was hired as a marketing manager at Microsoft for Microsoft Ventures at the time. This is 2015, and um, basically the job was like, you know, we need to find great entrepreneurs. We know that great entrepreneurs are looking for great VCs. So build relationships with VCs. We know that VCs, they also work with network of angels. And so go and build a network of angel investors. Oh, and by the way, we need to talk about our program because our program is changing from doing ABC to doing something completely different now. And so we need to make sure the market understands it. Oh, but by the way, um, the program is heading in this direction and the market looks like this. Uh, How do we position Microsoft in this very uh, competitive landscape of accelerating startups? Because back in 2015-16, incubators, accelerators were growing like mushrooms. And so we had to position Microsoft in such a way that was resonating with entrepreneurs because it's, it's a competitive landscape. So it was. Uh, it was more. Uh, I mean, this. This. This was the job. I was hired as a marketing manager, but I ended up doing pretty much everything that needed to be done to um, find great entrepreneurs, support entrepreneurs um, through throughout the program, after the program, facilitated um, uh, interactions between corporates and entrepreneurs, traveling to talk about how you run programs. So it's just. There's no job description, if you like.
1: It was a little bit of everything.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: When you say great entrepreneurs, so how did you, I mean, this is one of the key questions, you know, how do you judge a great entrepreneur? What do you look for um, or what did you look for in terms of, of these people that you finally chose for the program.
2: Yeah, I think, I think great entrepreneur uh, is, is a very loose definition because in reality, it's what great means to you, um, you know, and what great, what great means for a VC is very different from what, lo- what great looks for Microsoft Ventures and Accelerators at the time. So at the time, uh, we were looking for B2B companies only. Um, and we all were also looking for companies that would be able to work with Microsoft clients, right? right. Because we were pushing at the time uh, Microsoft Marketplace, and we needed to have those companies adapt uh, and adopt uh, Azure. Uh-huh. And so the criteria that we were looking for were: is this B2B, does that resonate with the Microsoft long-term strategy? Are those people credible enough so that we can put them in front of people with decision power? Okay. Um, do they have cash flows? Uh, are they going to be able to raise money if they are if they if they are um, not profitable or not making uh, any revenues? Um, so yeah, just uh, the pure objective was not return on investment, unlike a VC who would look at a company and say, well, how? You know, can I put one and get three out of that, or ten out of that? That was not the that was not the strategy. The strategy was: is this a business that has legs? Does the technology make sense? Has anyone done that? Can Microsoft put its um, brand on the line with this? That's
1: interesting because when one deals with a startup with the view of acquisition by a huge company or a known name or whatever, one might use different criteria in judging that company than one might use if one was not associated at all with a corporate entity. So, you know, now you're not associated with a corporate entity as in a Microsoft or a name like that. So has your assessment criteria, have they widened? Uh, in terms of how you look at companies, have they changed?
2: Yeah, I think this has completely changed. Um, you're you're absolutely right, but um, but it's not like we have structured concilions as if I was making the decision, as you know. So perhaps it requires just a bit of an explanation of how we work uh, at concilions. So we when we set up Consiliums Ventures, which is one of the world's first fully tokenized startup accelerator vc we have uh digitized the shares of the entire portfolio and and then created one single asset and turned this assets into uh a payment uh, method so startups would use these assets to hire consultants and experts uh, and then uh, if the startup have uh, more, uh, more uh, shares of the portfolio than what they can spend within the network, they could sell it to an investor. And then the investor is basically getting a fraction of the portfolio by way of doing so. So this is very much, um, much more a democratic process than a centralized process. So uh-huh. my um, influence if you like, uh, in the way we select um, startups within Consilience Ventures is more about the rigorousness of the process, It's more about the, the viability of the process and make sure processes can be respected, understood, and we could learn from those process, as opposed to, say, this is how we qualify a good expert a good entrepreneur, a good market. It's more about how do we bring everybody behind the process and how do we collect, um, how do we take the best out of all of the parties involved in the selection process? Uh-huh. Uh, if we're going to sell to Oracle, right? If this company is, going, is using Oracle as uh, a, a distribution partner, you know, do we have somebody who has done that before in our network? Do we have somebody who can say with confidence, I have done that in the past. I know where the uh, I know where the friction is. Uh-huh. Look, I don't have money to invest in your business, but I have value. Can I be paid with the shares of the portfolio? This is all of that logic that we've implemented within Consilience Ventures because there are two different school of thoughts, maybe more, but just to be a bit simplistic here, there are some people who believe they know and there are some people who accept they don't. You know, we. I'm very much on the camp, you know, of the people that don't know, you know. I don't believe in what I do. I only believe in what I can learn from what I will do, right? A very, very different, very, very different pr- process. So um, I'm a macro. I've got an economic background, and I, I think macro all the time. I, I do not believe in expertise. I believe in learning. I believe in process. And I believe in macro trends uh, more than that are much more influential than anything else. And so, of course, you can have somebody who can be a genius or an expert in stem cells or somebody who understands everything about, you know, a certain type of cancers. Yeah, they have done lots of research. They are very, very, very narrow. That's valuable, but that's not what makes a company successful in most cases. And so so I'm a much more uh, I'm, I'm a macro person. And then I look at things in the macro context all the time.
1: In some sense, you're saying that the subject matter experts are kind of the um, driving force in a way, uh, because they're the ones that are going to both assist and, and help make, I'm going to say, judgments about companies. Is that a fair assessment for how consilience operates, and and how are you finding the model to work these days? Is it working the way you initially visualized?
2: Okay, okay. So yeah, a couple of questions here. So first of all, I believe that human capital is worth more than cash today. You know, we've got central banks um, and and monetary policies that are completely disconnecting the reality from the number of uh, intelligent people that our society can produce. So we cannot print human capital, we can print cash on demand, and this is what has been driving where we are today. So again, very macro disconnection between the number of talents and the the amount of, of cash on the marketplace. So if we agree that this is the case, then what we need to look at is how do we pick the companies that are going to attract the human capital, right? Because attracting the cash is one way to attract the human capital, but the end goal is to attract the human capital, it's to attract the best people, right? And so today there is a whole um, circus, uh, you know, uh, to an extent where it becomes very nocive and bad for most startups is you've got to start to do road shows and pitch all of that and waste your time trying to raise money to hire talents. So we are very much starting from the from we we're taking this from a different angle. We're saying, well, look, you know, what you're what you're selling to you the investors is your equity. It's nothing else. Your equity is back. It's so why don't you sell your equity directly to the human capital directly? Why do you go through the investor box and you know try to convince people who are probably not going to be able to help you if you if you can find the people that are going to be able to help you right away? So. I do believe that expertise and human capital is um, what's needed to uh, take innovation to market. So all of this is creating a chaos uh, that is servicing no one, but uh, only the ones that want to exploit those inefficiencies. And the reality is that I think if we just, if I do one step back again, micro view, right? Given the size and the colossal size of the problems that we are facing as as, as humans, human beings on um, you know on the planet, uh, I think we have to find ways to make entrepreneurship a lot better, a lot more superior to the current standard. Uh-huh. Otherwise, we're not going to go after the problems, the big problems, because there's too much incentive to do the things that don't matter. Right? It's too much incentive to create another CRM system to create another tool to monitor your social media traffic. There's so much incentives right now because that's what the status of most of the investors understand. I put money, I put one pound here and I get three pounds here, you know, and then for me to understand how I'm gonna get my three pound here, it has to be simple. It has to be super simple. That's why deep tech is heavily underfunded in Europe. It's because it's too easy to finance the things that I understand. And it's way too complicated as an entrepreneur to get funded when I'm going to do something that is truly disruptive, truly innovative, something that is going to change the way people behave. It is going to shift the paradigm. And that's the problem we're going after.
0: There's a lot of talk at the moment, as we all know, around uh, AI and the impact of artificial intelligence on business generally. Kevin, what's your view on that? What's your sense of how the future looks with the advance of artificial intelligence?
2: So I think this is just going to accelerate entrepreneurship. I think uh, uh, big companies are going to struggle to hire and to keep the best talents. They're just going to be uh, in much worse position because it's going to be a lot easier to start something. Now, the reality is that... um, creating companies it's 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 not that easy so those people even if you've got chat gpt or the gpt5 or gpt6 or whatever gpt you'll find um, the reality is that creating companies—it's a silly, lonely process—and and there's only so much YouTube videos you can do, and there's only so much podcasts you can do, and there's only so much, you know, uh, copywriting that you know, you know. So I think we need to advance society to help the next generation of entrepreneurs to focus on real big stuff. Right? How do we solve? You know the big problems. I don't need to do a list. I think we are all aware of the problems that we are facing as societies. And then uh, we need to create an infrastructure for this. We need to we need to turn entrepreneurship upside down. We need to find a way so that if I don't know anything. I don't need if, and if I need a resource. If I need somebody who is going to help me to articulate my business plan correctly, or if I need somebody to help me to promote my brand, or somebody who is going to help me to understand whether what I'm doing should be regulated or not regulated, whether I'm doing something that um, uh, is involving uh, you know any skills that I don't have, I need to be able to pull that knowledge, that resource very quickly without wasting my time trying to sell 10% of my company to get to the next stage. This is over for me. It has to be a continuum. We need to turn fundraising as a continuum and not as an event. It has to be a continuous process so that we can elevate all entrepreneurs and, of course, Everything will, will will come together more entrepreneurs will work together and realize, oh are we working on the same thing this is my angle so it's going to be a lot more collaborative so I believe in uh, I believe that um, entrepreneurship is going to be more more collaborative because we can create open tools that are going to reward and incentivize collaboration because we can distribute the reward because now everybody has skin in the game and if I put my weight I'm going to be paid for my weight It's too many people in startups land working for free and trying to sell you something in exchange that you, in most cases you don't need. This is the thing I didn't like about, about, you know, working with, you know, um, many incubators and accelerators is seeing all of those advisors giving you free advice to sell you something you don't need.
1: So that's an interesting angle on the AI question because, you know, at, at face value, something like ChatGPT, one gets a little bit nervous about it, it's going to take over from us being humans, but you raise a very interesting point about how that can facilitate knowledge uh, and facilitate action in a way that certainly we couldn't ever do before. What's your um, take on any changes you've seen in the, I'll say, the VC community? You know, sort of the investment side of the equation over the past however many years, even five years. Are you seeing changes or
2: does it just seem very static to you? Again, um, starting very macro, right? Uh, For the past 10 years, maybe 10, 15 years, uh, we've seen uh, the rise of crowdfunding, right? So I think what we've seen for the past 15 years or so, we've seen alternative for investors to find money. Uh, but that has not been driven by uh, the, encum- the incumbents and the players in place. It has been driven by people who were not happy with the status quo and came up with solutions to solve problems. So it's it's um, the, the solutions are coming for entrepreneurs and not coming from the people with the money, uh, not coming from the VCs. So I think the VCs have no interest and no reason to change. Um, some will say they are. <laughs> the reality is that... Um, if you are using uh, a car, yeah, you can tell whatever about what you do. At the end, you still need wheels and you need fuel, yeah, and you need a you, and you the steering wheel. So you can you can try to paint your car in whatever you need, whatever you want, but at the end of the day, you're still using the same vehicle. So you're never going to go to the moon and you're never going to visit the deep of the ocean, yeah. And so uh, this is the this is the big big difference here. I think right now with AI. We are going to be able to explore areas we've never explored before because people are going to get to the same results a lot quicker and we're going to be able to dig, maybe just dig or maybe just fly further, right? But if your question is, you know what do I think about the early stage market that you know um, I think it's un- it's mostly unchanged with the exception of uh, a few uh, alternatives such as crowdfunding, ICOs, security tokens, nfts and so on and so on that is eating the vc's lunch but it's not fundamentally changing the way we do things it's not really pivoting it's not really changing it and so that's my take on it i mean this is just an entire podcast <laughs> we could go on so i'd rather stop here
1: <laughs> how do you counsel new entrepreneurs what do you do you, do you tell them these are the top three things you want to think about um, as you move forward with your with your company.
2: So, as Consilience Group, we don't work with entrepreneurs anymore because impacting one entrepreneur at a time, it's not how we're going to impact millions of entrepreneurs in the next 10 years or so. So, what we are doing is we're going through existing nexus. So, we're going directly to incubators, accelerators, and venture studios, emerging managers, and uh, kind of um, a small peas and we're telling them there is a way where you can be far more efficient, far more liquid, align your entire ecosystem with yourself. You can bring all of that network on your balance sheet. LinkedIn doesn't count in my If I go to my accountant right now and I say whatever connections I've got, my accountant is going to say, I'm not putting this as, a, as an asset, right? Uh, at best it's a, it's a liability because it's sucking my time. <laughs> Whereas I can use my network and I think Chili, you know, we have powerful networks, but the problem is that right now is no platform to maximize the value we can drive from our network and create for our network. Because it has to be both ways. It has to be um, a two-way street. You give as much as you as you take. And it has to benefit everyone. But Twitter doesn't do that. Facebook doesn't do that. My Discord account doesn't do that. (laughs) This is all creating more noise and not really assembling the knowledge and bringing all of that knowledge together and saying there is a problem. It's called climate change. It's called biodiversity. It's called inequality. It's we can define those things but there's no, not enough effort. And so we're relying on foundations who are throwing money at things and hoping that some, sometimes it works and sometimes it does. But um, we need to think about how do we go back to the gold standard? So um, for those in the pod who are not familiar with, so back before 1971, <laughs> Britain Woods, right? Uh, there was something called gold that was linked to paper. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then uh, at some point, uh, there is uh, the president of the US, we not naming it, <laughs> who said, well, guys, we're going to disconnect the dollar from the gold. By the way, all of the other currencies are linked to the dollar, so all of your paper is worth nothing, but we're going to keep the contract, right? We're going st- to use this as a way to try it. So uh, all of a sudden, your piece of paper is worth less than a tomato, but uh, because because you know you can use this paper a lot more easily and you know frictionlessly in a a network we're going to keep using that it's a social contract but nobody everybody knows that cash is trash and all it does it creates a big big legacy for the next generations because asset prices are keep keep on going up money loses value my child my, my children their children and so on and so on are never going to be able to buy a house Never say this is going to completely distort the market. We need to go back to gold standard. And gold standard for me, it's putting innovation and things that matter such as climate, nature as the standard. We need to put innovation, entrepreneurship, climate, clean water. We need to put these as our assets. These are the priceless assets we have at our disposal that we current people living on that planet are 100% responsible for it not the next generations, us. Yeah, And then right now, we are talking about using something that is worthless, cash, and we are making everybody believe that you need to have something that is becoming that is worthless. And then there is the, the, all of this mentality of trying to be of having something that is worth nothing. And then we're trading it against something that is priceless, which is biodiversity so so the whole world is completely upside down we need to put those at the heart of our decision and we need to turn those into real assets and use this to create the future society
0: so so is one of your core messages cash is trash is is that right kevin
2: yes cash is trash so far everybody needs it because that's the, the societal contract we've got but until somebody comes with currencies that are going to be linked to nature then you know there are you know tens of millions of people that really understand climate change. It's a problem. So by the time we can treat climate as a currency, and where the only way to grow the value of this currency is by improving the climate standard and the way we're protecting our climate and then protect uh, protecting ourselves against climate change, then we're just going to have a complete mind shift. It doesn't prevent uh-huh. us to create and innovate. Just to be clear, this is not wishful thinking. It's completely possible. But nobody has really thought about this hard enough to actually say, and I don't pretend I did, but I think it's completely possible to actually say, what are the key assets that we need to protect? And entrepreneurship is one of them. Entrepreneurs are key assets for our world, and we need to turn them into a proper asset class. Uh, that is going way beyond measuring, uh, you know, um, you know what we currently measure. Could
0: we um, bring some of uh, your themes together to perhaps three
2: key tips that you would give to uh, entrepreneurs? The most uh, basic, I think, the one that everybody would agree with is, you know, focus on what matters for the business and what matters to the business is your clients, and so try to be as close to the clients as possible. And if you've got clients, then you should be able to find the money you need if you are burning more than what your current clients can give you, right? That's the reason why we need to raise money. And there's no, there's no issue raising money. And, and just to be clear, I've got nothing against venture capitalists or VCs. Every, there's a game and everybody plays the game and that's completely fine. Um, a second uh, maybe tip for entrepreneurs is that you've got to get started. There's no way you can learn this from a book. So, um, learn it and, uh, do not pretend, you know, just try to be humble about it, you know, push your ego your ego aside and, you know, follow what you deeply believe and, you know, follow, follow your core values and what you, you know, what you'd like to pursue and you, and as, as you as a business, but also you as a human being, but you've got to get started. And the third, I guess, is just an extension of the, of the second point as advice is, um, Never surrender, you know, if you want to see the world, um, you know, in a certain way, just, just do everything so that it will happen. And uh, if you have the ability to bring the people behind you or alongside you, even, shall I say, and uh, hopefully you would be successful. And uh, in any case, you're successful because even if you're not going to be richer and eventually poorer at the end of the process, you're going to be so much better as a human. Yeah. You're much. You're going to be a much better person on the other hand of the process, which is what matters in the end. You are the asset, not your equity. That's a great line and a great point to finish on, uh, Kevin.
0: In fact, there have been a couple of good lines in this particular conversation. Cash is trash. We've got to probably talk about <laughs> that um, again at some point. And uh, look, Kevin, you, you, you've been you've been brilliant on, on the show. Thank you very much for for sharing all your thoughts. And your theories and your uh, emotions and your passion.
2: No, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure.
1: Take care. Thanks.
0: Well, Shelley, that was a very philosophical conversation with Kevin, uh, which for me, anyway, inspired some introspection and a bit of contemplation as well about the future. Of the startup ecosystem.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. You know, um, he is a very deep thinker. I think the culmination of his various experiences at Microsoft, et cetera, has led him to want to put a foot forward in this evolution of the ecosystem. And he's trying to do that with Consilience Ventures. Yes. So I, you know, I really applaud him. Because he makes some very, very good points. He does not have answers for everything. But if the questions aren't put out there in a way that people can think about them and look at them, then we don't move forward. You know, one of the things he mentioned was if investors are always investing in the things that are pretty much known to people, you know, another CRM system, et cetera, et cetera, we're not going to move forward. And so he questions, How do we get to a system where people are looking at some of the bigger problems facing us in the world today? Climate change, biodiversity, all sorts of things. And we have to figure out a way to both get people to focus on them and remunerate them. You know, his comment about cash is trash, you know, Mm -hmm. really what he meant is if the focus continues to be solely on cash we're probably not going to move from our present situation. And so he poses the very important question, how do we move beyond that?
0: Thanks for listening to Startup Sensations. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform so you never miss an episode. Get in touch with us. Email hello at startupsensations.com. And that's it for the final episode of the Startup Sensations podcast, season one. Please join us in a growing community on both sides of the pond by following the Startup Sensations podcast page on LinkedIn. And don't forget to watch us and subscribe on our YouTube channel.
1: I'm looking forward to the next season. This was great, Valence.
0: We look forward to seeing you on the next season of the Startup Sensations podcast.
1: Absolutely.